Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of CC Extra. My name is Ryan, aka it's Rocket Sauce, and today we'll be talking about the PS4 exclusive Marvel's Spider-Man. This will be a full-on spoiler cast, so if you haven't played the game yet, I really recommend that you don't listen and go play the game, and then come on back. Before we get started, let me introduce to you the cast for today. Today we have Jake. Hey, 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 how's it going? Caleb. Hi. Miles. Hey! And Catherine. Uh, so before we get into the story, I have a few questions for the cast. So um, when were you guys sold on buying like, this game? Was it after the first E3 trailer or uh, was it maybe, you know, because I think this has appeared at three E3s now. So uh, for, for me, it wasn't until I realized that my Amazon Prime subscription was going to no longer allow me to get discounts on pre-ordered games. And that's the only time. Yeah. That's when I realized, ah, sure, I'll give it a ch- chance because I'm not a huge comic book fan never really have been um and didn't this did really honestly it looked great it looked amazing i was excited for people who were excited but i was didn't really care too much so um i'll shut up now and let the actual fans of spider-man talk uh for me it was um it was kind of a twofold thing i I saw the initial e3 demo which i thought was um okay i had some more questions about it than actual excitement about it um but then i think in that interim i played um sunset overdrive and then realized that Insomniac was the absolute perfect developer for a game that's centered around mobility. So at that point, I got really excited. I think for us, it was the uh, e th- the first E3 trailer happened, and then there was also a really good deal at uh, EB Games where they'd taken Disney Infinities at two for fifty dollars, and Toys R Us was selling them for two for twelve or something. So I had a whole bunch of trade-in credit for different games, and I grabbed Spider-Man because it looked really good. So we had it pre-ordered for two years. Yeah. So for me, it was the first E3 trailer. Um... I remember I think it aired right after the Resident Evil 7 trailer. So I was kind of like, it was on the Sony show. It was kind of like a back-to-back haymaker, if you will, where I'm like, whoa, this is a game I want to play. Now this is the game I want to play. So um, very few games today want me to get it to buy day one. And someone who is a Spider-Man fan, this was, it looked great to me right off the bat. So yeah, that was, that was the first trailer is what sold me. I almost kind of wish that the, second and third trailer didn't happen granted things have changed in those trailers that i've noticed from playing this playthrough but i kind of just wish i I took in less of the game going forward but you know that's that's just a little i guess nitpick on my part that maybe i shouldn't watch every single trailer a hundred times or something Uh, what part of what part of the trailer or what part of those additional trailers do you think was it that made you kind of be less excited or was it just that it was more and you wanted to be surprised i think maybe this year's e3 trailer and it wasn't the trailer wasn't bad. It was fantastic. It's just that I kind of wish that that that's that scene on the raft. I just kind of wish I took that in fresh because I think I would enjoy that even more. The scene where they they're breaking everyone out of out of uh, raft is a raft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, name, the raft yeah. is what they call it. Yeah. The the jail on the ocean there. Yeah. So just just that is the only thing I, I can complain about the trailer, if you will. I totally agree with you, Ryan. Like for for me, that trailer uh, looked it looked beautiful. Uh, going in there and br- and people breaking out of prison, you're trying to put them back in. Or as a as a comic book fan, at, at one point in my life, it really reminded me of the New Avengers first like four uh, issues where there's a breakout at the raft and they have to pull together a group of of superheroes to save it. But now it's just Spider Man. 
And uh, yeah, so the whole time I was playing the game, I knew that that was coming and it, it did kind of affect the game for me a little bit. For me, it was it's interesting because I don't really have any emotional attachment or anything to any of these characters. Um, I thought that was a great example of what the game was able to do consistently. And that's broadcast what's going to happen, but still make you care about every single beat. So, for example, at the very beginning, when you first meet Doc Gawk, you it the, the camera's focusing on all these plans he has for his crazy appendages, and you get a sense of of, of Doc Ock being someone who um, is almost too good. So you're like, he's not going to be good forever. That's just not how it is. And so you know that scene one, you're like, this is going to be the bad guy. You you know that. And and if you're a Spider Spider Man fan, you definitely know that because his name is Doctor Octopus. I mean, or Doctor Octavius. So I knew that from the very beginning. Um, and then when you meet Martin Lee, um, he I, I'm like, oh, he's he's Mr. Negative from the from the trailer that they've been broadcasting. Like he looks like him, like there's no hiding it. So he's going to be bad. And even though, you know, these people are going to be bad throughout the entire game, you still care about the story and you still want to see it through because it really is a Peter story. It's not a it's not a Dr. Octavia story. It's not a, you know, uh, a, a enemies on the raft story. It's it's a Peter. It's a Peter Parker story. So. I kind of felt like that didn't ruin it for me, you know, just because there was so much else going on. And the I, when it comes down to spoilers, if, if we can group it into sort of that spoiler mentality, I've always thought spoilers are only spoilers if the rest of the story sucks. And so if the story is good, then I shouldn't be spoiled by one particular plot point or I shouldn't be spoiled by anything that shouldn't matter to me. I should still be invested in the entire experience. And that, that's exactly what happened in this case. So I actually it didn't in fact impact me too much. I was I was pretty pretty happy the whole way through i kind of felt the same way actually about the martin lee as negative man is that his name because i don't know negative man i like i read a little bit of just the ultimate spider-man universe and i don't think he ever came up in it so when i saw him in the trailer i was like oh well, i don't i've never even seen that villain before so i guess that's a bit of a spoiler but when you meet martin lee he's such like he's like this billionaire philanthropist or whatever and so then i immediately start thinking how does he turn bad and i it was kind of compelling to me right i was like i wanted to see what happens to him and how he makes that transition because it takes a long time and it's not immediately obvious when or why he becomes a villain right mm -hmm. so i liked the way that piece of the story unfolded cool so you know like I know, like I, th I remember. I think they changed the trailer from the the one they showed two years ago was essentially that scene where the cranes getting knocked down, and it's taking place at one of uh, Kingpin's former uh, construction sites. I believe it is. Um, I believe that was the reveal of Mister Negative as they were trying to sell him as the main villain. But I believe that there's some slight changes in that one. So in that doesn't bother me. I thought that was kind of cool. I don't know. I, I appreciate they made some changes over the years too. So, I mean, you probably find out what things work. They probably had to rewrite some stuff. So, you know, that, that was kind of cool. Yeah. I thought, hey, Catherine, you made a really good point. Like, uh, I think you contextualized it better than, than I think I, I did in that when you know the inevitable end, when you know the inevitable, uh, 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 or, or, you know, the inevitable end of, of the arc, you can sort of relax and just sort of, fixate on how that art comes to be or are the little story beats that are that are sort of hinting at these things so you know you mentioned mr negative as the example and then doc ock it's like if you know he's going to be the bad guy 
then it's almost like you look into his his interactions with other characters and his dialogue a little bit more because mm -hmm. you're like, how is he going to become bad? And that was just enthralling. So I think you I think you said it better for sure. And then also with uh, with Martin Lee, like how interested would you be in the stuff about the shelter if you didn't know he was going to be a bad guy? Mm -hmm. You'd just be like, who's this guy? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Another handsome, rich dude uh, who has a heart. Woohoo. <laughs> Yeah, and well, I think things look like they're going well here. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, but see also, you later. <laughs> with Doctor Octopus too, I found that like his his relationship with Peter was like so genuine, and like there was real trust and friendship and like caring in there that it becomes like even more tragic, right? Because you, as you know, that he's like going to become the villain, the main villain. So you start to like, yeah, you do read more into all of the interactions. They have a little bit more impact because you know that, you know, Peter wanting to help him and feeling bad for him and, and like, you know, wanting to um, help with his research and stuff to help him personally is going to like escalate into some big conflict between the two of them. So I don't know. I just found that, yeah, you do kind of pay attention to more of those little details. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, th I think the um, I think that the best parts, you know, of those like, you know, we, we were talking about how our initial maybe look into the game, you know, it changed where they took, you know, Mr. Negative out of that helicopter at the, the crane fight. Um, and then, you know, realizing once you see him. And I think the thing that got me with seeing Martin Lee for the first time was seeing his proximity to Aunt May. Like that was when I started like being really bought into what's going to happen with this guy, because then I'm sort of worried about her, you know, proximity to this guy who's, who's clearly one of the main villains. And I think that was my hook. Um, when I realized, Oh wow, they're working together shoulder to shoulder and, um, he's a bad dude. So that's when I really started caring about what happened, uh, with, with Martin Lee's storyline. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Honestly, that never even occurred to me that he was, he could at any moment hurt Aunt May, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. that's interesting. So what was your favorite part of the game? What lured you in? Was it the story or was it the gameplay? What, what made you keep going with this game? Uh, for me personally, I want to say it was the gameplay and I love swinging through the city and uh, I mean, just doing Spider-Man like things, making you feel like Spider-Man in this game. Um, I, I almost kind of wanted to just not do the story at all because I knew <laughs> doing the story would end the game and that's you know and the story was fantastic that's not knocking the story it's just that i i fell in love i always kind of when playing this game i i made it a goal to do every single side mission before doing any part of the story um <laughs> so like if i saw the you know someone was getting carjacked i'm taking that car you know i'm trying to clear out the five you know crimes in progress in the area before before going to you know go visit dr ock or uh visit aunt may you know so that's that's just for me but how about you guys for me i guess it you know it, it definitely was like mechanically speaking i i'd love the way the game felt i love the way you know i just never got tired of swinging around the city and trying to make you know cool traversal combos and all that um but it, it really was just this two pronged approach of like, I really wanted 
to just keep swinging around and doing cool combos and knock guys off roofs, but also really was invested in pretty much every relationship that Peter Parker had, whether it was with Aunt May or uh, Doc Ock or Mary Jane. I just really wanted to see where all that goes. So like it, it really was a two front attack. I just loved both parts of it. Um, it was very mechanically satisfying to play, but also really was invested in what was going to happen next. So in that way, you know, neither part of the game let me down for sure. It actually took me a while to get into the mechanics. Like this is a game or get into the, the controls, I should say specifically, because this is a game that required practice. I think if for, for the first few hours of the game, I was actually somewhat disappointed uh, just because there were so many buttons to press and so many combos that I felt I had to know and had to learn. As the game went on, I realized I could kind of stick to a couple mainstays and it'd be fine. But at the beginning, I didn't know that. So I'm trying to learn all of these combos. I'm trying to learn uh, like one of the for as an example, one of the early um, uh, uh, tutorials or early button prompt uh, that they give you is the ability to sort of swing around corners at 90 degrees by pressing the circle button on PS4. Uh, I guess it's only a PS4 game uh, to press the circle button. And I don't think I ever used that. And that was one of the first like things they taught you. And I'm like, that's really, you know, so I had all of this extra garbage in my head that I didn't really need, but it took me a few hours before I realized that I didn't really need any of that. So that was a little frustrating, but once I realized that and I could focus and practice on actually the, the mechanics that made sense, then it just became a much, much more fun game for me. And it really ramped up after that last bit. And I'm with, I, I'm exactly like, Ryan too, and I'm I'm like that with really any open world uh, side mission kind of game. Is that I will find myself doing all of the side missions before I do at least the final missions. So I might progress throughout the game doing a variety of missions, and then once I get toward the end, then I'm stopping and I'm doing all the side missions because psychologically, as soon as I finish that end thing and I see the credits, I'm on to the next game. No matter how much I love the game, I'm on to the next game. Um, favorite game. Uh, of all time, it would be the same thing. I'm just kind of on to the next game. And so I, I made sure to get my, my game percentage completion up to like the low 90s before I was like, okay, now I'll do the final mission because uh, I knew I would just turn it off if I didn't. So yeah, that's 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 for me. It was it was more, so, so the story kept me going until I finally learned the mechanics. And then once I learned the controls and everything, then it was so much fun just swinging around. Uh, I, yeah, so I kind of feel a lot like uh, Jake did. Where, like, as soon as I picked it up, I, you know, really cared about what was going to happen next in the story. And uh, as well as the gameplay itself was really good. I usually don't play a lot of the side quest stuff in in these games, especially these big open world games. Or I guess it's not that big, but you know what I mean, right? Um, and I played all of the, uh, we, we did all of the side quests together. We, we platinum the game in four days. And it was like, it was insane. It was the most we ever got into. That, it's actually like how that. I got started playing because Miles would no normally not do any side quests. He's just a <laughs> beeline the story kind of guy. And then, yeah, I'm done the game. So in between, I, I would just kind of grab the controller if he was taking a break and I would just go do all those little side missions. I also like doing the puzzle stuff more than he does. So if a puzzle thing came up, I would just like, oh, let me play. I'll do that. And I also like I really liked the story and I think I was kind of hooked pretty early because it was clear really early on that it wasn't 
strictly like your your typical spider-man story like he's not a photographer he doesn't have he doesn't work for j jonah jameson j jonah jameson was a completely different type of um personality in this one and it was just like there were all these like little changes to what i know of you know traditional spider-man or origin stories and stuff like that that i was like oh well let's see what they like how much they do how much they go with this and how much they they play with the storylines and stuff and then i got super hooked like i wasn't so great with the controls but once we unlocked the acrobatics oh yeah then i was like <laughs> now this is all i'm gonna do and it's like <laughs> we just like when we unlocked the acrobatics like we just like swung around forever because when we realized we were getting like bonus xp for it and then un like unlocking trophies for doing like tricks a, a, a bunch of tricks that's all we did like we're like we would look up like what trophies we needed and then we would just try to execute all these acrobatics and we would like completely ignored gameplay we, like, kinda, we turned it into uh spider-man's uh pro skater yeah it felt like a, <laughs> yeah that's what it really felt like really like, let's try to pull off the craziest tricks or whatever just like yeah. Tony Hawk pro skater too right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's a, a bunch of web on weapons uh, weapons there's a bunch <laughs> of add-ons in this game for your for your character which ones did you prefer i know you were just mentioning the aerobics right um for for him but you know besides having uh i guess you can do different webbing attacks me personally i i like the i guess grenade ones that um would uh either can take out four guys or multiple guys at once where he webs them up right away or just the i think you could just throw a, a blob at one because I, I use that to take out the big guys a lot because those big guys to be to me were a pain and if i can line up against a wall you can just knock them into the wall and they're out of the battle completely. It was that in the add-on where you could um, get an additional launch if you land while swinging on a platform. If you hit like A or a X and circle together at the same time, it will launch you forward because I love swinging as fast as I could through the city. That was always my goal is to go as fast as possible. <laughs> yeah. I really liked that one because I would always, you know, you could always uh, sort of pinpoint where you wanted to land, whether it was like a smokestack or the, you know, eve of a roof, and then just just bounce off of that and get that little burst of speed. That was super addictive, I thought. When it came to like the the weapons, like the the gadgets that you could add on, like I barely used any of those, frankly. Like I, I used the web bomb for like the brutes, like once I got it strong enough to take out a brute, and then I used the um as far as suit powers go, I just use the, I think it was a second or third when you unlock where you just twirl and shoot web everywhere. <laughs> like that's pretty much all I use. And it kind of, I guess, dovetails into what Caleb was saying earlier with, you know, the game gives you a lot of options and a lot of like, whether it's traversal or gadgets or powers or whatever, but you really don't have to use any of them. If you don't want to, you can just kind of play how you want to. And, you know, I like the fact that I didn't have to rely on any specific thing at any point during the game. You know, a lot of games will be like, hey, you've got this new special power now and give you this massive wink because that means you have to use that for the next boss or whatever. But this game is just like, eh, you can use these if you want. If you don't, that's fine too. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I played. Yeah, I I, I think uh, it's weird because if, if I were to go back and play the game again, I would find, there's a few upgrades a few uh add-ons uh, a few gadgets that i would really kind of shoot for and i would kind of only use those but unfortunately some of them i didn't really even find until toward the end of the game so for example the one where you can 
uh, actually uh, web up the brutes and throw the brutes. Um, that was something I would have probably targeted that one at the very beginning to try to get that one first uh, because it's so, so helpful. But in general, the ones that allowed me to use to, to use the enemies as weapons so you could you could uh, web them up and then swing them around and, and and hit and hit people like those ones are really really helpful because it allowed you to have sort of that ability to throw something at any given time um, I was throwing stuff all the time that was one of my favorite things to do and sometimes you're not in proximity to something to throw so but you're always in proximity to enemies and so it was really really helpful and then once you get that core ability increasing the power on that was really helpful so the one that allowed you anything you threw to actually impact the people around it so like the the sort of i don't know what you'd call it like the impact i guess um those were amazing and then i just continued to use those forever um in terms of the gadgets uh really i stuck to i used the the spinny one that that uh, Jake was talking about with well, just through webbing everywhere. It seemed a little gross. I, I don't know why. Like I got a weird like. There's something gross about it. Um, but uh, maybe that's why I used it. I don't know. But I found myself using the web bomb. Definitely the one that just kind of uh, uh, attacks all of the characters in proximity and then um, allows you to um, uh, that attacks everyone in proximity and kind of webs them up. That one was really 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 helpful. And then on top of that, the um, the spider bro, I think it was called the one that kind of flew around and just zapped a bunch of people because it just allowed the enemies to be occupied, which was great. Um, and that was very helpful. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sort of along with, uh, Caleb on that. Like any power suit that allowed for crowd control is kind of what I went with. I just love being able to, whether it was immobilize enemies or distract them or whether it was, you know, just, you know, stick them to the wall or whatever. Like that's kind of what was my goal was to just, crowd control so uh any power or gadget that assisted in that just made my life so much easier so that's what i always shot for one thing that i want to mention that i really liked about uh the whole gadget thing is uh is that each suit had uh an assigned ultimate ability with it but what you could do was you could get the suit that you liked the most like aesthetically and then switch the ultimate even though it was assigned to a suit specifically, but if it was unlocked, you could then, you know, rearrange it however you wanted. And that was just something that added so much to the game for me, because with these open world Spider-Man games, changing your outfit has always been one of the, the really cool Easter eggs in the game where like, Oh, you found this other outfit. Now you can, you know, look differently because Spider-Man's been around for a long time. You know, he didn't just wear the one thing. You, you might think he just wore the one thing because he picks it up and smells it and it stinks. But he's got tons of other options. He doesn't have to always just wear that one. Exactly. I, I honestly would have liked a little bit of, um, I don't know, um, contextualization in, in the story for getting those other suits. Just just a little bit of like, I don't know, some kind of lore or some kind of dialogue that would be like, oh, cool new suit or something like that, which happened on a couple of occasions, like with the, the black cat suit. But I just think there's there would have been some fun moments, you know, if if uh, there could have been some discourse rather than just text. But mm -hmm. yeah, I lo also love that ability, Miles, where you can just look how you want and still use the powers that are assigned to a different suit. That was that was really nice user friendly way to build that. Yeah, some some story contextualization would be helpful, especially considering how quickly Spider-Man can apparently make these uniforms. At the very end, uh, when he, you know, it's it's the it's building up to the ultimate fight, and he's like, "I've got to go to the lab, and I've got I've got an idea on how I can beat Doc Ock, Doc Ock," and it's like a 
uh, fade to black cutscene, then fade in. All of a sudden, he has this perfectly tailored outfit yeah. just from spare parts, I guess. And so he can make them pretty quickly. I mean, I think yeah. there's a way we could fold that in there. <laughs> but, uh, no, you're you're right. I mean, the only other time I can think of besides me the Black Cat one is um, when Doc Ock makes the famous cover, a big white spider um, suit. Um, and that's ultimately, I think, the the only suit add-on I or your ultimate if you will the, that I ultimately use because I always loved recharging my health if I was getting destroyed in battle so I, I found myself just using that I, I I use the um I guess it's a good time to talk about the suits here too um I use that suit majority game because for some reason and it's just so who I am if, if that's what the cover looks <laughs> like for a game that's what I'm playing as for the first playthrough at least if I ever do it again I will mix and match with all the different suits, but for like a first playthrough, psychologically, for some reason, I have to play with the cover suit. Um, I don't know if anyone else is like that, but uh, if you had another suit that you liked, go right ahead. I think I just got used to that that suit. You know, it's not so much that I had to play out as is. Is it's just uh, if it's all about the aesthetics, I might as well use the one that I'm already using. I never really thought to use much else. Um, and I thought uh, I, I I will say that I used that that primary suit up until I got the two D suit the two D comic suit <laughs> yeah. that one I used that one's so fun man that, that so I want to see a whole game of that look because that whole two yeah. D against the three D background was just a cool visual so especially during the cutscenes yeah <laughs> it was They're so absurd yeah. <laughs> yeah. like the romantic cutscenes and it's yeah. just like she's kissing this yeah it's <laughs> great. I uh the, I think the two that I used the most was the the stealth suit the the black and um, I guess it was a green suit because I really liked I don't know I just really liked the look of that one a lot um, and then I goofed around a lot with the twenty ninety nine suit and like wore that during some like pretty important cutscenes <laughs> <laughs> it was a little goofy um, but I you know I really liked. Um, the spider punk suit, I think is what it was called. Yeah. Uh, we, we wore the we jacket and had a little one. mohawk. I just like that one. It was super fun. I like the aesthetic. So, you know, I would. Yeah, we, we used played that one. all of those ones. Yeah, we, we used that punk one until we unlocked the 2D one. And then when you unlock the final suit, we switched to the final right. suit for everything. Yeah, As you cool. do, you have to, right? <laughs> yeah. Have to. Yeah. Is the, is the shirtless one the final one? Or is the one after that? Okay. That's yeah. the final one. He's just wearing boxes and the undies. mask. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, that's awesome. I'll, I'll admit, though, the one thing I was disappointed in the suits is that there was no um, classic black suit. And they make a joke about it in the game, too, with Yuri. When he's, you know, she asks him, Oh, do you have that in a uh, black suit? And he says, uh, You know, he kind of just like doesn't want to bring up the symbiotic suit, you know, which eventually becomes the Venom suit. But, you know, it's, it's just a little nitpick. I mean, it's something you could save for the sequel, if you will. It's or just, the DLC. Yeah, I don't think if they're going to do uh, paid costume DLC. I just know that they're doing story DLC, right? It could just be in the game. It I know. Be. Or it could be if, if Venom is a character in the DLC, then there could be a story reason for just getting it that way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like Venom's such a property that they would want to create a dedicated game around Venom rather than I hope they do. just DLC or something. I hope they do, too. I mean, to be fair, Venom is kind of a from my perspective anyway, pretty lame, boring character. He's cool looking and he does cool stuff, but there's not much to him, I don't think. Um, but yeah. I, I, I I, would love for a good team of writers like those who did this Spider-Man game to really be able to throw themselves at a, at a, play, at a character like Venom would be really cool. I agree. That's, that's a perfect good time to, uh, to I guess, segue to characters um, because there's a few of them in this game. And 
like you just said, Caleb, they uh, these writers actually did a really good job with even some of these classic characters, changing them up. Or most of the time, I, I have a kind of a problem when people change classic characters up. But I think they made a, a bunch of these characters a giant improvement uh, in the Spider-Man universe. And and I wish I almost they can incorporate this in the normal Spider-Man comic book so much. So uh, mm-hmm. like I love what they did with uh, Mary Jane Watson. To be honest with you, uh, she's no longer the supermodel girlfriend mm-hmm. of Peter Parker. She's actually she's kind of. I don't know, maybe your girl next door, maybe, or you know, but what Mary Jane should have always been, at least in my version of Spider Man in my head, that's who she was. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they grounded her and and made her, you know, realistic and believable and and much better than any Mary Jane in any Spider Man movie, in my opinion. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I really, really liked her. And uh, well, that in, I think, what comes to mind too, maybe is uh, Miles Morales really stands out for me in this game too. Um, I'm not a fan of Miles Morales for from the comic books, but in this game, I really it made me kind of like a fan of Miles Morales. Now he's not Spider-Man in this game, uh, but right. you do play as him. Same thing with Mary Jane; she is playable in this game, and they have um, they both have stealth missions. But they but they did they did a great job of making me care for Miles for this game. So I uh, I, I appreciated that. Where as opposed to I guess how they kind of. The comics to me is, I, I I guess I don't like in the comics how Peter Parker, and granted he's in a different universe, Miles, because he came over, comes over from another universe and that's just comics for you. But I don't like the fact that Peter Parker has to die for Miles Morales to become Spider-Man. And they don't do that in this game. They kind of give him a, a reason for becoming Spider-Man towards the end of the game here. And um, he kind of earns that becoming Spider-Man too, if you will. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's one of those, I guess, um, kind of like we were talking about, you know, um, Mr. Negative and Doc Ock, the inevitability thing. Like when you see, you know, Miles in that, like, I guess it was at the end of that, like the first big crane helicopter thing, you see Miles and like some kids are like, hey, Miles, come on. And then you realize, ah, he's in the game, which is super cool. And then once you see that spider just crawling around like in different cutscenes, you're like, you know, <laughs> when's this going to happen? How's this going to happen? Like I, even though I knew, what is inevitably going to happen. I still cared about how it happened. And I really thought that was, uh, yeah, I thought, I thought that was really cool, especially the whole ending sequence with miles. Um, I loved it. So yeah, really cool. Yeah. I think I, I definitely want to touch on that ending sequence. Cause it's, it's amazing how much subtlety there is there because a couple things. One, you know, miles has no idea. Peter Parker is Spider-Man, but miles feels comfortable coming to Peter Parker and saying, look at this power that I have. Like it's that's his new father figure essentially. So this is spite. This is Peter Parker's ability to become a father figure in the way that, you know, Martin Lee has been to him and the way that Doc Ock has been to him. And now he's able to kind of do that for someone else who's lost his parents. And so for miles to be comfortable enough to say, I have this crazy thing. I don't know what's going on is, is really, really, really telling about the relationship about the way that miles feels about Peter Parker. And then for Peter Parker to be able to reciprocate and say, I'm there too with you. Like that's going to be, I hope the sequel of this game is that relationship. Um, And in a lot of ways, I'll call it now because I think what will happen is probably Spider-Man will, um, something will drag Spider-Man away from like his core values, his core being, and he'll become kind of, he'll lean toward the dark side a little bit. And I don't know, maybe that's where like a venom kind of thing comes into play. And then it'll be Miles who has to almost bring him back to it and say, no, no, no. Also, I think it's probably setting it up for some multiplayer in, in the next game, probably, I would imagine, which I don't necessarily want, but I anticipate that'll happen. So I think that is really, really cool. I think it's it's 
interesting too also to think what would happen if the spider had bitten Mary Jane instead because I mean the spider's riding Mary Jane like the entire end of the game um, which is very very hand of goddess I mean it's not like I mean that's pretty absurd that the spider would still be there but uh, that would be kind of a cool like what if or ultimate or, or alternate reality if the spider had bitten Mary Jane and then Peter Parker had to be like this on again off again relationship thing but they also have to fight crime together and so and then you know Black Cat would definitely be part of that because she'd have this jealousy thing and, and I don't know I, that's a whole other discussion but it'd be kind of cool yeah, I in in speaking to the relationship between Miles and Peter, you know that that ending where they're you know it it felt almost like a puberty discussion. Uh, but um, <laughs> what I loved was how that relationship was set up from early in the game. Well, earlier in the game when uh, um, you know Peter Parker's like he just feels connected to Miles for some reason. It's like he tries to get him a job, and you know that relationship was set up so good so that could eventually happen later on um just speaks to how well that game was written mm -hmm. absolutely well also they kind of do it a little bit with dr octavius too um and they do such a great job of establishing who he is or you kind of maybe kind of feel sorry for him i know like pete because peter believes in the work that they're doing they're trying to make the world a better place they're not uh, i mean they're trying to help uh, create limbs for you know disabled veterans you know so you have an arm uh, granted that now there's a little motive behind that but uh, at the start of it I I don't think Octavius is evil at the start of it but you see the drive there and what makes him become evil you know with the uh, the suit and you find out this relationship with um, Norman Osborne uh, who has you know Norman Osborne I believe he is the reason for Martin Lee, the way he is correct, uh, mm -hmm. where that incident happened back in the day and that killed Martin Lee's parents. Um, and he's also the reason kind of Otto Octavius becomes who he is. Uh, granted it's out of maybe jealousy and, uh, other things. Cause they used to be partners. They were college, they were college, uh, buddies. Um, mm -hmm. they formed Oscorp together. Um, and eventually they had a disagreement where Octavius left to go form his own thing. And quickly blew up all his money while Norman Osborne went on to be rich and successful. He's the mayor of New York. You know, he's, he has this great life while Octavius is struggling. And uh, like I said, Peter could, at any point in time, because he's friends with his son, Harry, and he's known Norman probably for the majority of his life. He can get a job and, you know, have this, you know, great paying job at Oscorp and not have to worry about it. But he believes in what they're working for with Dr. Octavius. I, I think, I don't know if there was, I don't know if, there's one part in there that I don't know if it was a miss or if there's a reason for it or what, but um, I felt like Octavius's turn toward evil was a bit too quick and unnecessary. I mean, because Octavius would have been angry with uh, Osborne forever, but I can't remember. Maybe I missed it. It's there. Like what the actual like change, what the actual change was that caused him to all of a sudden like, be super super angry with them and like actually go kind of crazy i was thinking it might have been something to do with like mr negative and how he can in influence people and bring out their negative emotions and all that kind of stuff but i don't think there was ever that that connection because you know octavius doesn't have the crazy weird black and white smoky stuff coming out of him so i don't think that's it i don't know if anyone else knew what that was like what was the actual turning point because i can't remember that it seemed pretty sudden to me for me it was when the um 
when um, Norman came in and basically shut down the lab and was like, you know, mm. the danger is too dangerous, blah, blah, blah. We're condemning this, blah, blah, blah. Um, that was the impetus for, I think, the the sharper change. For me, it felt more natural. And maybe it was just the way that I plotted out my, um, I guess, timing of playing the story missions. Uh, you know, I didn't dawdle early on. So I kind of, it, the pacing felt fine to me. Mm-hmm. But um, but I think that was it. I could be wrong, but I think that yeah, was the Yeah, I think so. Like I, he breaks down uh, Otto's lab, and then Otto fails like one or two times after that again. Like he crushes the glass or something like that. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. So so every time he fails after that, he goes, "Ah, Norman, ah, why did you do this to me?" <laughs> you know, like he just gets more and more intense. Like he's already mad at Norman. It's just that. He lost it. And, the, and uh, I mean, we are doing a spoiler cast, but that moment when Peter realizes that uh, Dr. Octopus knew it was him yeah. all along as Spider-Man. And that just, that, that, that hit me the hardest, I think, out of every part in the entire game because he was so nice to Peter, you know, and, and at the same time, just making the decision that if Spider-Man gets in his way, he's going to kill him, you know? And like, Peter was the only person there for him. Was the yeah, only that- that was a huge, huge move because I think in lesser writers' hands, that would have been the moment when Octavius would have realized, oh, Peter Parker is Spider-Man and sort of almost said, had a change of heart kind of thing. But no, man, they they leaned right into it. Yeah. Like, nope, he's he's going to wreck. He's going to know this the entire time. So playing a second time through would be, be kind of cool to see if there's any subtleties that where uh, because there is there's the one that there's the one instance where. Uh, Octavius walks into Peter Parker like making up a Spider-Man suit or something and he's like oh so you're friends with Spider-Man and I'd like to rewatch that to see if maybe there was a hint there where Octavius actually knew but I was convinced that he didn't know at the time you know I was totally convinced so and does Otto only make help you design things for your spider suit before Norman breaks down the lab oh yeah I don't know I think so I think so yeah because he already knows that you're Spider-Man immediately when he sees you working on the suit. Yeah. yeah. And then he wants to help you when you're Spider-Man and he wants to stop you after Norman breaks down the lab. Yeah. You think he's maybe using uh, Peter Parker's brain then to create, because he's purposely creating that technology that will be cut, that will allow Octavius to have his limbs. So it's like Octavius knows that Peter Parker, the smart genius can help him create these limbs that are going to help him like get revenge or whatever. And and if you go back and you play like all of the all of the puzzles and stuff that Catherine liked, like all of those are parts to Octavius's uniform. Like so, you know, he's and, and so subtly, like you're seeing, you're piecing together Octavius's arms and his uniform and everything. So you're physically you're you're instrumental in helping that happen. So it'd be interesting to know if Octavius was conscious of that and was like, yeah, that's that'd be that that turns it because it makes Octavius into like a a a. a conniving kind of person uh, who who has those two faces from the very beginning very conniving but also very i guess endearing to peter parker yeah that's that's interesting well, you know what just the fact that we're having this conversation says more about the writing than anything else <laughs> it's true yeah i also want to point out too that the reason why octavius is doing it, and i don't think he's lying is that his body is deteriorating right so like he originally wants this project to go through because he knows he's going to just be a brain in a worthless body, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's what he's telling Peter, and I I believe it. That's the main reason why he's doing it. But that's a fine um, motivation. Yeah, I think yeah. It, I think it works. Yeah, it also though speaks to his subtle selfishness, which is that kind of two facedness. Because Peter Parker's into it to make limbs for veterans, Octavius is into it to make limbs for himself, um, and 
Octavius, it's it's interesting too because that's the also the mind body, you know, conflict there because Octavius should be smart enough and genius enough to respect the brain above the body. He's he's a genius and he should say the body doesn't matter. It's all about the brain, but he can't help but give up the body or give up. He can't help but favor the body. He's obviously he's not as pure as he likes to pretend that he is. It, it's sort of like if um, if uh, if Stephen Hawking, if all he did was complain about being in a wheelchair and that's the only thing he ever talked about, you'd be like, shut up, Stephen Hawking. You're a genius, but <laughs> shut up. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of what this is. This is Stephen Hawking if he was annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then also he doesn't stop there once he gets the limbs working. Yeah, I know. He doesn't just go, oh, okay, well, here we go. Time to move on with my life. I'll move to Norway or something. <laughs> but instead he's like, I want to use this power, you know, to get revenge. I kind of want to call into question the actual, like, engineering design of those arms because if you're just trying to give vets arms right <laughs> arms, yeah, why do they have true. to give them four giant like octopus arms like <laughs> so then when you do get it working you're gonna think of other things to do with those four giant octopus arms imagine going to as a prosthetic salesman <laughs> trying to like that you know the, these arms look fine they look like your old arms but have you seen the new arms we're working on I think you could lead. I think you could lead any comedy bit with. Okay, imagine you're a prosthetic arm salesman. (laughs) You could go anywhere with that because I can't even imagine that part of it. (laughs) I mean, that's really where Norman should have been coming from, right? He'd come in and go, "These don't look like arms at all." (laughs) You're right. Yeah, that's. that's These are just mad slinkies. Uh, and then he has a whole ca- he probably has like a whole aquarium full of octopuses with like human appendages like all <laughs> floating around <laughs> that's disgusting yeah it is I love yeah. it <laughs> I think one of the like kind of going back to the plot point of uh, of you know Dr. Octavius knowing that Peter Parker is Spider-Man and uh, Peter Parker helping uh, Octavius with his research I don't know I feel like there's some and it's not a huge plot point, but it just, I feel like there's some subtlety there to, you know, our hero helping his eventual antagonist try to beat himself. I think there's some interesting, I don't know. I feel like the, the, the superhero life is one of self-destruction anyway, because you have to push people away and you have to, you know, lie to people constantly, but just seeing that kind of play out in a more physical manner where it's like, you're literally helping this guy build things and, and design things and perfect things that eventually he will use to try to kill you is an interesting, like self-destructive idea. Do you think Peter Parker knew had any indication or hint that he was doing that? I don't think so. Yeah. I think he was completely naive because I think he, you know, he's still, even though he, he fought, you know, been fighting crime for, I guess at this point he was in his like 22, 23 years old. He's been doing this for a while. Um, I still don't think he's as jaded as, you know, someone, someone else. I think he still had some optimism about specifically um, Doc Ock because, you know, he wanted a father figure. He wanted someone to look up to, wanted a mentor, and I think he was just completely blind to it. Yeah, you know, uh, I actually listened to the uh, writer and the voice actor for for this game on a podcast this week, actually. And they were talking about that when creating Peter, making him in his 20s. I mean, recently they were kind of doing that is because you know, he's done with school, but he's, you're still at that age in your life where you're trying to figure out who you are. And that kind of plays into it a little bit where he's looking for that mentor 
you know, just to see where he's going to go forward with his life here, you know, and, you know, he, he, I think wants to believe there's good in everybody. And, you know, he, he doesn't, that's, I mean, you just brought up the point with being a superhero that the, that's destructive because no matter what, you can't have a normal life. You know, he's, you know, you see that scene with Mary Jane where he just sitting down having French fries, you know, <laughs> and he has to leave because he sees that there's a cop chase going on outside. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's because if he doesn't stop that, that cop, then you're going to get J. Jonah Jameson on the radio. Shock, jock, Alex Jones kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, I love get, getting mad at him for not having stopped every single piece of crime. You know, if there's one thing that, that comes through the sieve, one thing that that comes out, man, he's going to be on it. And it's funny because if you if you actually don't stop some crimes, the the radio show will talk and will call in that person yeah. who wasn't saved by Spider-Man. And, and they'll. Yeah, it's great. That was so great. Yeah, I loved Truther Infowars J. Jonah Jameson. It was the best. <laughs> Oh, man. And I love that he uh, I mean, and, and if you look back on, on all of the comic history of J. Jonah Jameson, you're like, yeah, that's that's this what he eventuality. <laughs> exactly. There's there's no way around it. I yeah, love it. He's a big part of Peter Parker's, uni- you know, universe right here. And it's a perfect way to incorporate it because what are they going to do? Just have him uh, just put out newspaper articles. I mean, this at least he's him being in your ear. Every, you know, a few minutes just swinging around New York is fantastic. That he's just got his little blurb and you know, his when he's talking to people and they're like, oh, no, he saved me. And they're like, no, you're mistaken. You know, <laughs> that was yeah, I would love to play like a, I want to see some indie gamer make like the Jameson like simulator where you have to rationalize everything that's absolutely irrational. <laughs> like you have to try to find a reason why all of these ob- objectively great things are terrible. Uh, it might be like an insult simulator kind of thing, like where you have to like switch out phrasing and all that kind of stuff. That'd be fun. <laughs> I, I wonder, and, and maybe you guys have thought about this, um, but when it comes to like why um, you always heard this podcast, to me, this was like Peter Parker, like reading the comments. You know what I'm saying? Like he cares about what people thinks about him. So it's like, if I was him, I would just, n- I mean, why listen to this? But it's just like <laughs> deep down, he can't help but hope. Well, yeah, you look at turn. you look at his Twitter feed, right? He's always yeah. looking. If you look at the little Twitter feed, he's always yeah. checking the, the spider feed or something like that. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, it, it's a nice modernization, I guess. But also, to me, it's like, don't read the comments, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And plus, why dedicate? You have such a thin layer of technology in your hood. Like, why dedicate the radio chip to that station? Like, it would be great if you could switch it, like Grand Theft Auto style, to just like easy listening and just have easy <laughs> listening through the whole <laughs> whole game. That'd be fun. That'd be great. Um, so there's also, you know, Aunt May and she works at Feast, which is the homeless shelter that Martin Lee runs. Now, I kind of appreciated her too, not being the uh, old granny, if you will, from like the, the comics and cartoons and, you know, the general history of Aunt May and not the Alyssa Milano, is it from? Uh, uh, no, it was uh, uh, Marissa Tomei, right? Yeah, Marissa Tomei, the younger. And she's kind of like somewhere right in the middle there, basically, where. She's right there. She can help. She's there to help people. You see why Peter gets it where she she's always trying to help people. She, and she's an inspiration. She she's kind of like that even for Martin Lee, where he's like, you know, he I think Catherine brought it up that, you know, she he won't hurt her because she's a good person. And she's like kind of a role model for Miles, too. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, little... you know, I, I always thought of her as kind of a strong character. So mm-hmm. I thought <laughs> You always look up. You want to be yeah. just like her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I think that's where Peter Parker gets his altruistic, optimistic 
um, tendencies is definitely from her. Um, I definitely think this was the best version of her that I've seen. Very fleshed out and very real and, and very, um, I don't know, uh, empathetic. And, I, you know, just felt like I knew her. Because, like, I, I went back and, you know, just started thinking about the other versions of Aunt May that I'd seen in, you know, movies or in cartoons or whatever. And it's like, she's she either tends to be just... I don't know, a, a non sequitur or she ends up being like this overbearing kind of person who is, um, I don't know, a bit snarky at times, but I thought this was a great balance where she was like, you know, and, and coming, I guess, full circle to where we talked about the ending, obviously that, that she knows also who Peter Parker really is. And then that's kind of something that that's a thread I'd like to follow. If I re- replay this game is to see if there's any tells or hints or you know, moments where you can uh, kind of see through her uh, playing stupid, I guess. I think there was one moment, actually, now that you say that, it's it's hitting back to me. I think there was one moment where there was, in the distance, a police car, and he was t- he, Peter Parker was talking to Aunt May. Uh, There's a police car in the distance, and he kind of made it look like he had to leave, and she's like, yeah, I know, you have to leave. But I think, you know, he had to leave because of the police car, but I think the situation was also set up in a way that he had to leave for something else, like he had to leave to meet some other character they were talking about. And so God, I would love to go back and play because I swear there's a scene like that somewhere in there. So the, uh, sorry. <laughs> I think that the biggest <laughs> giveaway that, that she knows that Peter Parker's Spider-Man is that when he's homeless, uh, when he gets evicted from his home and he comes to see her, she says, you can stay here at the shelter in my office and not at home with me. <laughs> <You know? Good laughs> like, so she's just like, I don't want to get killed. <laughs> because you're Spider-Man. Stay at the shelter. <laughs> <laughs> it also could be looked at as like a protective move to like, you know, look, I know if you stay with me, it'll you'd be worried about me finding out. So if you stay here, you don't have to worry about that. Or it's just a, an ego thing. Like you don't want to stay. You don't want to feel like you're dependent upon your Aunt May. It's, to sleep on the couch in an office yeah. and that's probably better. <laughs> yeah. Is, is Aunt May also there. traditionally a great Aunt May? Like I think he's. I always she's often quite old, right? In in some like comic books and stuff, so she doesn't feel like his aunt. It feels more like a great aunt to me. That's true. So this one feels like a little closer in yeah. his in age, and somehow that connection is a little bit like she own. could be his like mother sister or something. Yeah, like that, you know, yeah. So. You it, know, never, it never felt. It never <laughs> felt like the same age. An aunt, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Mother's mother's sister. <laughs> I also want to point out uh, Yuri, who I believe is a new character. I've never heard of mm-hmm. Yuri before. She's the captain of the police, NYPD. Mm-hmm. Um, now, she's voiced by an actress named Tara Platt. And the significance of this is that the voice of Peter Parker, his name is Yuri Lowenthal. 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 Yeah. And these two are married. Um, so I on that podcast I mentioned earlier that he mentioned that he thought it was pretty funny, but they did throw that in there as like an Easter egg. That so mm-hmm. when he's talking, he's talking to himself. You know, he's you know like, "Hello, Yuri." You know, and <laughs> you know, essentially, he's having a conversation with his wife for these for these acting scenes here. So I thought that was kind of a little neat homage. I wanted to bring that into the the show here. Super cool. Yeah. They had a lot of chemistry between them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, I love um, that. Love that relationship that they had going the whole time. Just the. The, the spider, spider cop, cop and the, oh, like all that stuff cop. Really great. yes <laughs> i really like spider cop um suit <laughs> that <laughs> should be that should be a suit in there basically yeah. at least give him a cat uh, like a cop hat or something like something that. yeah 
be like the that. village people looking spider or village exactly. people looking cop with short shorts and everything. That'd be great. <laughs> and a badge. Yeah, would be hilarious. <laughs> and then uh, one character, I mean, I guess it's kind of throwawayable in my opinion, but uh, she's important because I think she's going to get her own DLC down the road as Silver Sables in the game. Mm. Uh, she's the head of the security force, which I hated. I hated the security force there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they just, I mean, it's, it's to make the game challenging down the road, but like, man, it's like, when you have to deal with the prisoners that escape from raft and then fighting, taking them out too. And then they send like an extra, like send backups send back. I'm like, Oh man, you know, <laughs> so she's, she's in the game. She's the head of security. She's the watch over Norman Osborne's corporation. And I guess this can go into the story a little bit more. Um, she, that, she did feel kind of shoehorned in to yeah. that story, right? Like, yeah, she didn't make enough pluck that whole part out and it wouldn't make any difference really. Yeah, I think it was just for the third act because each act you have to have increasingly difficult bad guys. Yeah, and she was really only there to have this sable force or whatever they were called there to be your your tough bad guys for the third act is really all it was. I thought. Yeah, yeah, I I really liked liked her as a character. I thought she was, um, you know, I like that she was just a mercenary, and it was like whatever made sense is what she would do, and I appreciated that. Um, I I definitely would like to see more of her because I think she's interesting. Um, so hopefully maybe down the road we'll get, you know, maybe an, a more of their version of this character. Uh, I, f- I felt, cool. I felt she was almost too, um, she was almost too by the book because the only reason at the end that she ends up becoming a, that she ends up becoming a non-threat is because she realizes Spider-Man was there to help. And so you figured a conversation could have, could have cleared this up at the very beginning. Like, right. Instead of I'm always going to fight Spider-Man, it's like I should be a professional enough person to know really a Spider-Man attacking like my person, my being like what's going on here. And she had plenty of opportunities to talk to him. She the first time she met him, she had him bound up in those weird arm things. She could have at that True. point said, like, what's your point? And Spider-Man could have said, I'm fighting X. And then she would have said, oh, we should team up. Like, I, I don't know. They they could have figured that out at the beginning. So I think she was. Yeah, too black and white for me, but. Anyway, anyway. So yeah, but I don't know if we want to go into the story when it just knock out the villains here real quick, because there's a few villains that are in this game. So I, let's just cover the villains because we're still talking about the characters here. So there's there's the Kingpin. There's the Shockers in this game. Tombstones in this game. Taskmasters in this game. And he's got some side missions. Black Cat's in this game. And she's got some side missions. And they got Vulture, Electro, Rhino, Scorpion, Mr. Negative, and, of course, the... Big shocking reveal after the rap scene is Doc Ock is the big bad in this game here. I don't know if you had, anyone had any particular favorite villains, but I will mention that I, I kind of wish they, and maybe they kind of implied it with the newspaper articles that you would see hanging on the walls in Peter's apartment or Dr. Octavius's office. But uh, I, I kind of wish they would uh, and maybe given, uh, you know, the guys who are broken out of raft a little bit more, time prior to being in jail not saying you have to fight them but maybe i don't know just just something maybe a little bit more that's something i guess for them to figure out down the road but uh because I, I really did enjoy the two on two uh, the two on one battles that you know you would face between like vulture and electro or rhino and scorpion stuff like that um did anyone have a favorite i guess villain in this game or so the first like the first half of the game that i was playing i was i was kind of like slightly disappointed i was like tombstone shocker kingpin that's pretty good i guess but there's no like electro and like all these villains are already captured when you start the game and i remember the raft scene 
So I knew that was coming at some point. And then when you realize that the reason why they held them for the ending is because they want you to fight them two at a time. Um, so they want that to be the fight. The electro fight is also a fight with the vulture. And those were the two best fights in the entire game for me was the fight against the vulture and electro and then the rhino and scorpion fight i thought those were just so cool such a great idea and something that you could do with a modern spider-man game that you might not have been able to do with a spider-man game that was a little bit older yeah i i you know when it comes to the villains i'm i wasn't bought in on i guess we would consider those like the more i guess secondary bosses like the rhino and, and scorpion I, I thought there was some cool stuff with scorpion that kind of reminded me of like the scarecrow stuff from the arkham games a bit uh with the hallucinatory stuff and i thought that was a pretty cool way to deal with scorpion i thought the stealth bits with miles when you're trying to evade rhino is cool i could have used more of that actually I, I thought that was actually pretty threatening you know i thought that would be a fun kind of ride through you know, that's that's the way that you would have to deal with right now. It'd be sneaky. And I thought that was smart. But in general, I, you know, I I get that they're kind of placing this game in a time when Spider-Man's beat all that. And it kind of makes sense for them to do that. I also think that that was just kind of a way for them to have this big Sinister Six reveal on the raft was to kind of just have them all there at once. It kind of makes sense that they all just kind of broke out together. And I thought that was cool enough. But I do think that in general, the boss fights were a little too easy because I, I kind of flew through them and I don't think I had really any trouble with them. And maybe that was just the difficulty setting, which I chose, which I guess was just the normal one, but it just felt pretty easy. I think you nailed it uh, when you said that Spider-Man has put these enemies in jail already. Uh, you know, new game plus is always easier. It's, it's Spider-Man has learned from these villains. If it were a truly life and death threatening, very difficult fight, I feel like, that would almost be unrealistic because he's, he's done this before. He knows their weaknesses. He knows how to deal with them. Um, they have been locked up this whole time. So obviously they haven't been able to train or get better or anything like that. So right. I think they should be easy, but I, and I think the way to over to compensate for that was to have the two at a time and having two at a time also allowed the writers to really play off personalities, especially with Scorpion and Rhino. That like, was I love, I love their personality, the way they play off of each other. And so at every moment throughout the game, it seems like the writers are like, how can we really make this particular situation work? Um, even with like Tombstone is probably my favorite out of the, out of the bo bosses. And I probably seems weird because he's such like a non-essential character, but I really like that. I, I don't know. I have a, I, I really like a villain who simply just wants to feel something like this is a guy who was born with this disease. I think it was or something where, um, I know like I know he he created a, a, a thing later on, but I think for I want to say he was born with it or, or had it at a young age anyway, where he was literally impervious to things. And so he's not able to feel like physical sensation, really. And to have not be able to feel physical sensation your entire life, like that's all you really want is you want to feel something. And so that that allowed me to realize, oh, that's probably why he got into a life of crime. Not only is he perfectly situated for it because he's massive and huge and he can do anything he wants. But this is almost like I want the cops to catch me. I want someone to catch me and someone to put me down. And this is the way to do it, to become this crazy villain that everybody wants to attack. And so there's a part at the end when like Spider-Man gives him the antidote and um, and he's almost like happy for it 
because he's like, yeah, that was that that feels good. That was a great fight right at the end before the end of it. So I really liked a lot was a lot of what was going on in there. And that fight alone made me maybe almost want to go into the comics and actually read about Tombstone and what his character arc is and stuff like that. But I fear I'd be disappointed just because it seems like in general this game does a really, really good job of storytelling. And so I don't necessarily want to like be, you know, taken down a notch or whatever. So Catherine, did you have anything to say or did you oh. sorry, I forgot if we kind of skipped over you. There. Oh no, no, that's okay. I I I didn't play a lot of the boss battles. I think you I did, did the Rhino Scorpion boss battle. I did the Rhino Scorpion one. Oh, I forgot about that. Because I like because I watch Miles play so much that I forget, like, did I do that or did he do that? <laughs> but um I like quick time events. So sure. I found that a lot of those, like those fights are very like reflex based or whatever. And so that's something that I can do. So normally if it's just like combat, I'm so bad with like, I can't get combos and stuff like that. I was pretty bad at like clearing out warehouses and stuff when it's just like waves of bad guys. But when I'm just like focusing on two guys and like they have little prompts for exactly what you need to do to fight them, I found it. So like maybe in that sense, there were like easier fights. But they are, they do test your reflexes, which is something that I felt like I can accomplish it. And the story, like the animations that happen during those fights, I think are really good. They like, they have sort of phases, right? So if you get, if you do, you know, get through half of the fight, then an animation happens and there's a little bit of story. And I really enjoy that kind of thing because it feel it doesn't feel just like beat the boss, carry on with the story. It's the stories happening as you fight the boss which I think is like, I think it's pretty common in a lot of games, but I do appreciate that when it doesn't just feel like, okay, I just got to kill this guy and then I can move on. Right. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, I was going to say, since you just brought up quick time events, I want to bring this up real quick. Cause I haven't mentioned here. Did you feel as if there's too many quick time events in the game? The way I'm, the way I bring it up is uh, I, I know there's a setting for people who I guess don't like quick time events and uh, you essentially can memorize what you have to do. In this game, there is a setting, I believe, you can turn quick time events off. I believe you can just, I think you're just going to have to remember, remember what <laughs> buttons press to what things here. Because essentially, there's, you know, when you have to swing, you have to press tri uh, triangle to swing, you know, or to grab onto something here. So it's there's things that you can do of quick time events do bother you. Um, it just turns off the prompt, or? I think so. I think it auto-completes them. I think it's actually oh, an accessibility okay. uh, option. So... Huh. Yeah, there was actually a lot of accessibility options in there. If you go dig around, like from um, you know, button pressing to color correction, audio and stuff. So nice, yeah. that's very cool. Yeah. I I like I like just the that especially when you're just kind of swinging around and doing fights throughout the world, that the quick time event like the the prompt is there to like grab something if you're close enough. But if you don't, it's not like anything happens. It just kind of, it's like a reminder, like a, instead of just like mashing square all the time to fight or whatever the button is, that it reminds you that, oh, there's other things that you can do because I'm just a button masher. So <laughs> I'll just smash the, like the one combat button. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I can like hit triangle and pull the guy towards me. And that's, that's good. Or I can L1 R1 to grab something and throw them. And I, for me, if I'm just in like, mashing button mode, I, I kind of forget those things. So I appreciate the prompts. I also appreciate that you don't have to hit them, right? When you're yeah. just like... No, that's absolutely, that's a, that's exactly the way I looked at it too, is so there's a difference between quick time events and button prompts. And I love the button prompts, the quick time events, I could give or take or whatever, but like those button prompts were extremely helpful because of how many button combinations you had to remember. Like I loved being able to know that mm -hmm. uh, when my focus meter was full, 
I can press the two, uh, press the, I think circle and triangle or something like that to do sort of your ultimate takedown or whatever it is. Like, cause I would never have used it had I not been reminded, oh yeah, it's full now. Cause I don't want to have to look at the focus meter every time. And so that was, I thought super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, for one, I don't think there's too many, uh, QTEs in the game. I thought they kind of came at the right time and I thought they, within context made sense to like still feel interactive, excuse me, feel interactive with the scene. Um, but not become overbearing kind of like with, you know, like those little, uh, car crashes where you have to pull the guy out of the truck before it blows up. That makes sense because there's not really a button combination that you would apply to that or like the crane falling or something like that. It, it, they all kind of made sense to me. And a lot of times they happened after a really like, uh, a really heavy bout of combat or something like that. So I really looked forward to the breather, you know? Yeah. It was kind of a reprieve and I thought, I thought it, it made sense. They also like they they kind of mimic reflex as well in the game, right? Like your reaction, right? So I think right. that's what it always was. It was like, oh, you if you don't hit it, then you're going to get hit by like you're not going to dodge, right? So it's tied in with the actual action of the character. I find. Mm -hmm. No, I also feel it's important that I mean I don't know if there's any other way how to do it with quick time events, but it makes the game. And I think this was their goal is to make it feel kind of like a Marvel movie, if you will. Um, essentially, there was a few other things in the game that made it feel like a marvel movie in my opinion with the um opening you get the like the marvel reveal and then you get kind of like that marvel theme kind of or i want to say like an avengers theme but it had like his own movie theme right at the the menu screen mm -hmm. uh, even so much after the credits there's a post scene uh kind of like the marvel movies today and i think that's what's their ultimate goal with this game is to create it you know, make a great Spider-Man game, number one, and make it feel kind of like how these new Marvel movies are, are today. So I don't know if anyone else got that feel from it, but I, I kind of took that away from, from this game. No, definitely. Like, once I saw the Stanley cameo, I was like, ah. Yep, that's what <laughs> they're doing. That's a good that's one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really like the feel. And when we're talking about the, the theme, one thing that I absolutely loved was um, anytime you would start swinging through the city, you get the dynamic music that would kick in that always felt like superheroic, almost kind of reminded me of like a Danny Elfman style score. <laughs> and I was like, man, this is perfect. I, I love that they added that in there because it, I think it would be so much more boring if you didn't have that. It would just hear like, you know, the web shooter noise and traffic by having that <laughs> dynamic music just kick in. I thought it was uh, a really way to keep me swinging in a way because I just didn't want, didn't want that feeling to go away. It made yeah. me want to do like uh, tricks and swinging and swinging really low to the traffic. Oh yeah, like in the movies, like that's Absolutely. what you want to do. You want to yeah. do that when you hear that music. The uh, there was also it was also dynamic with the actual lines of dialogue, which I thought was an amazingly awesome detail. So every line of dialogue was actually recorded twice. One if you're just standing, you know, and then one as like if you're being ex if you're ex exerted. Yes. So. The, the the swinging through the through the through the city, you're obviously going to be out of breath, and so the lines of dialogue are actually completely recorded differently to to have Peter Parker be out of breath. Yes. Um, so I thought that was a super cool detail. Yeah, that was an incredible. Um, I mean, that's literally double the work, but they yeah. uh, <laughs> they uh, they really just brought it home, you know, with that. You know, I I just love the attention to detail, and I think that's one thing that this game has going for it with, with things like that, you know, and, and, it, and like we've already mentioned, like, he smells his suit, you know, at the start, and, you know, you can, like, people on the street will high-five you or say stuff about you, and the fact that you could just whip out finger guns. Yeah, <laughs> a dedicated finger gun button is just great. So All good. games should have them. <laughs> Always. 
you know, mentioning that he talks about his, you know, you just mentioned that his suit stinks at the beginning. Hmm. Uh, I know I heard at least one time on the ground where someone said, man, does he even wash that suit? You know, like, you know, like, so they make comment that he does stink because he probably doesn't wash the suit, just kind of puts it on and goes. So I yeah. little details like that, you, like you said, it's. They also at the beginning when he makes that comment about him having only three chest hairs, they actually did put three chest hairs on him if you <laughs> zoom in close enough. And it was funny. I was listening to an, an interview with uh, the head, uh, the, the, uh, creative director, I can't remember his name, uh, Brian Inthahar or something like that. Um, he said that he didn't even know they did that. And so it was like, he, he was like playing a game or doing something or or even someone posted it online like after the game was finished about, hey, he really does have three chest hairs. And he's like, nice. He's like, he didn't even know. And I love the fact that they lit, they work in an environment where like someone can feel comfortable putting a weird detail in that. And they're so confident. They know the values of the studio so well that they don't have to run that by a creative director. They can be right. like, everyone will love this. Trust me. And they do it. And sure enough, everyone loves it. So yeah, that's super nice. I also liked how, um, the people, like just the people in the streets and stuff, they didn't all love Spider-Man. Like if he, if you like land suddenly and they all have to jump out of the way, like a bunch of them get like really pissed off at you and stuff. <laughs> and they're just like, Oh geez, like what do you like go fight crime somewhere else or whatever? And like they all they have say, little They say my brother worked for the Kingpin. Now now there's <laughs> Yeah, they so, all yeah. have like yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I like that. Little yeah. details. Yeah, there's one other thing I caught from the maybe it's a reference to Spider-Man too, but there's a scene where uh Peter has to stop a, a speeding subway. And it's probably from subway, yeah, it's a train basically. Mm -hmm. And it's underground after fighting uh Mr. Negative for the first time. Uh, he gets off running, does the webbing thing where he's trying to pull and stop it. And I think it, it just doesn't work. And he's like, well, that worked the last time. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. nice, nice callback. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so it, there's, there's other things there too. Like when you're exploring um, Norman's, uh, I guess his, his main suite where he lives, you're, you see some green goblin, you know, like references like tech, uh, Oscorp tech, but it's clearly, you know, setting the stage. Yeah. And this is, I guess, a spoiler for the part, but people are here to listen to this is, you know, there's no Green Goblin in this game. There's not a, there's there's a, a good amount of Spider-Man villains, but I guess that's speaking to his um, rogues gallery is there's still a lot more they can do with the sequel. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So little things they're setting up in place for the future is, I think, was fantastic, too. Yeah, I, I thought the uh, when they showed in his in that secret room in his penthouse, that was that was where his. If you find out his son, um, Harry, is actually being stored there, stored, I guess, until they find a cure. <laughs> he, he's basically in that vat of fluid. Um, and I'm pretty sure there was a, it was a, it was like a reactive symbiote suit like that was there because there was that scene when he was like face to face with the glass and you can kind of see the symbiote kind of moving. So I think that sets it up for that being maybe, maybe they're going to use that symbiote technology, not just for like a venom, but that's going to be sort of what creates other types of villains and things like that could be kind of cool. Um, because I'm not familiar enough with the comic, but I don't think the symbiote has anything to do with the green goblin or, uh, hobgoblin or anything like that. Right. Those are distinct. Yeah. Distinctly distinct different things. And I, I think that it's an interesting idea because like, if you look at a lot of the, like, you know, war machine or some of these other, uh, characters where, you know, their power is basically almost uh, an offset to their actual physical handicap. If they use the symbiote as a, an offset to whatever disease Harry has as kind of like, it's a lot more codependent on this thing to keep him alive. I think mm -hmm. is a really interesting idea that's if that's what that is. But yeah, I, I really liked that. Those little details of, you know, seeing all the masks in Harry's penthouse. And then you get in there and you see some, like some colors and some grenades and stuff that made you think of that. But, 
um yeah i i think I, no, that's that's a great point you guys made about that because I, from my understanding and from what i've known from reading venom and everything is the symbiote you know it heals you but the thing about the symbiote is it it has to choose the bond with you in order for it to go so if it doesn't bond with harry that's not going to work you know so right so it it could be something to it. it just doesn't bond with anybody it has to choose to bond with you for it to, to select a parasite <laughs> yeah um, I also like that reveal of Harry too, because going back to the story and and those things that every time like uh, Mary Jane and Peter talk about Harry, it's like I haven't heard from him so long. Like you would think he would have called me by now, and and like like they're so angry with him, and they're just like you know they're just like this like really unresponsive friend. Like we thought he was our friend and whatever, and then you it's just a really good reveal, right? Because all yes. you you don't know anything, you just think that he's gone off somewhere and not told anyone or is and why just really is inconsiderate. The, why is the day that he left for vacation so important to uh to yeah. uh, Osborne? That's, that's gotta be right? an accident, right? It's gotta be another one of those lab experiments gone wrong and he just marks that down. Yeah. <laughs> but I definitely agree with Catherine. I mean like you hear these bits and you're doing like uh like the Harry's side mission stuff um and you're hearing his voice and it's like you know I am away in Europe, blah blah blah. And like, I never once believed he was away in Europe, um, <laughs> but like when you read that letter in his room, it's just like, it's just heartbreaking. It really is. And it yeah. was very, uh, had a lot of impact, um, carried a lot of weight. So another, you know, I guess that was kind of at the start of the third act and it just kind of set the tone for what was to follow. I, I legit think- thought he was in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I kind of did too, because of those, those missions, those side missions he has. And maybe we can segue to this because there's a few side missions in this game that I, I guess were felt were important. Um, I mean, Harry's got his, but Harry's are more like saving the, the world, right? They're like, right. Oh, there's pollution in the ocean here. Can you go clean it up? So you go, you just whatever spray antibiotics in the, the lake or something like that. <laughs> and so there's stuff like that because that was important to his mom. So Harry wants to keep that going and prove to Oscorp that this is something that you can should continue to fund. Uh, there's black cat missions, but essentially they're taking photos. I kind of took that away as kind of maybe like your Riddler missions a little bit from Arkham. There's a lot of comparisons yeah. to the Arkham game in this game, and we'll get sure. to that a little bit here too. Uh, there's Taskmaster challenges. Um, so I don't, does anyone have a, like a particular favorite side mission or did you like doing the side missions? Did you do all the side missions? Did all the side missions. Definitely did yeah. all the side missions. I think the only one that I didn't complete was the, I don't remember what it was now. It was actually labeled as a side mission and not like one of those points of interest, but you know, I did all the backpacks and all the pigeons and all that stuff. So I liked the pigeon ones a lot, actually. I thought that was a really heartwarming little story, and I thought it was just kind of a fun. It kind of reminded me of like the um, the balloon missions from the old Spider-Man game. I don't know if you guys ever did that. It was kind of like it was fun. Um, it just kind of gave me another excuse to fly around, and, and thought the the story was memorable more so than most of them. I, I couldn't help but but realize that. Spider-Man is really pulling a lot of G's away from those uh, those pigeons in midair. So those, there's no way those pigeons are surviving that. Like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he's delivering a bunch of dead pigeons to. I found them all. Here you go. <laughs> Happy. <laughs> like a like a cat. I brought you something. Yeah. <laughs> the gift for the family. Damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought I thought the, the side missions are always so so hard to do. I can imagine uh, from a writing perspective because you have to set up a reality that doesn't necessarily exist in the rest of the game. So for all of those research side missions, for example, 
only when you start the mission is the suddenly the city polluted with green gas like right. it's never there before and of course it can't be there before um uh, it, it's it's sort of weird but what i did like um was that they maintained other like criminal missions so if you were in the mission of uh, in the middle of a research mission there still could be a crime that you need to stop that happens in the middle of that one. So you kind of do have to make a choice. Do I want to stop this crime or do I want to continue doing these, these research missions? So that was kind of cool, but yeah. those were kind of, I felt like the, the black cat were just kind of busy work, fun, busy work, because again, you get, you get to swing around the city. <laughs> yeah. And you get the suit at the end. Yeah. So, I mean, they know that swinging around is fun. So they probably, I feel depended upon that to create a lot of the side missions. They realize that, that the actual mission doesn't have to be that cool because people are just going to enjoy swinging around to, to complete them. That was my feeling on the side missions anyway. I still did them all, but yeah, so that's yeah, got to say yeah. something. <laughs> it does. Yeah, I think the black cat ones were like the weakest of them just because, you know. Just... It, it could be a reason for that too. She's the first story DLC, so maybe they just kind of like would just give you a hint or something. Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah. Because I saw the trailer for it. So I know it is a Black Cat story-driven mission. Um, uh, so, I don't know if anyone plans to buy in the DLC. I wish. Mm. No, I'm, I'm going to probably hold off for a complete edition before jumping on the DLC. Um, I don't know if anyone else is like that or if they're just going to buy the DLC or if you got the... We sold our copy already, so... <laughs> <laughs> wow. You got full credit for it. So. Yeah, because you, you, know you know there's going to be a Game of the Year edition. You know there's going to yeah. be, so... Um, I I wish that there were a, there was a little bit more variety in the puzzles because there really were only two types of puzzles like the yeah. DNA puzzle and then the whatever the other I think they were both from Bioshock as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one Bioshock. is just like a pipe puzzle, right? Like yeah, the pipe puzzle was yeah yeah pretty common. Except not and... timed, which thank God for that. Like <laughs> timed puzzles, yep. anything timed I hate, which is why I hated the Taskmaster uh, uh, missions. Just hated them. Yeah. I don't like being timed on things. That's unnecessary stress in my life. F you games when you make me do that. So. <laughs> I make Miles do the all the time twins, but the I puzzles wish I, had Miles. I do. <laughs> That's not all. It's cut it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just wish that there was more more variety to the puzzles, and then like one of the one of the achievements is doing those puzzles in the Oscorp lab, mm. right? Is it? The, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and then it's just like do ten more of them. <laughs> like, okay. Okay, they get a little bit harder, but it's just okay. It's just it is just busy work, and yeah. to to tie a, an achievement to it is a little cheap, I think. But yeah. it's like okay, you you test me in game already, and there's like the real like kind of like the climax where you're building, you're fixing the last piece that of the suit, right? That Octavius, right? That's just that's just a succession of those types of puzzles. And you just have to keep doing them, right, until you fix the suit so that he can wear it to fight in it but it's there's enough of it in the game that you didn't need to also be like and it's also not like great puzzles so it's like <laughs> why are you saying here i'm sure you guys love these stupid puzzles like do 10 more of them i, and I how, like puzzles i love that that's what they like they've, they've distilled science down to just matching things like oh, this, is, this is what chemists do oh i can do this <laughs> did they did they put a uh did they put a an achievement around the milestone things uh so i know there's that milestone section i think they were called milestones oh. um where you had to like you know you swing for so many thousands of meters or or yeah, whatever I don't it think might there be. was i don't okay. think there were any achievements or I, I, trophies or that. I, I don't oh. i don't remember unlocking any there may have i think the percentage is probably the, the game completion percentage might be calculated based on that but and for terms of an actual like a uh, trophy or something that's yeah, i don't know oh. 
Oh. Oh, what version are you playing it on, Jake? <laughs> that, Xbox with the achievements? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, can, yeah, totally. Sorry. Did anyone have any, I guess, does anyone have any tips? Because I haven't 100% in this game yet. I'm like at 98%, but I'm stuck, I think, with the, trying to get a couple more of the gold Taskmaster challenges here. You only wow. need silver. You only need silver for all. Silver on them. Yeah. Okay. Only for you only need silver for one of each type. Okay. Um, so just try to find the easiest ones, and then try to silver those. So yeah, with like the number of points you got from it. Or yeah. So there's the 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 one where you're disarming bombs. The one where you're fighting people, and then what was the last one? Stealth. Stealth. The, yeah, the stealth ones. We have to take out the the guys. My my question, I guess, is really for the 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 time bomb missions because no matter how fast I think I'm going, I'm still like only getting bronze on the time bomb missions. I don't know if anyone has any pointers or tips. That was the one, last I... thing we did. It was Go the faster. It's, it's a, oh, yeah. okay. I'll try that. It is a really tight tight timeline, and you so you have to kind of map by distance. Like you go to the closest one each time and you just kind of have to map a perfect route, I think is what. Yeah. And, and try not to land when you get the bombs, just try to get them while you're swinging through. Yeah. Cause you can. I guess I'll bring up, I think we can probably skip the story unless there's any points, because I think we generally covered it with talking about every character and just talking about this part right here. Unless there's, a couple of keynotes. I mean, there's the devil breath, right? There's that part with the motivation that is that what Norman thinks is going to cure Harry or is, I mean, that's the main reason why, but I, I know it's kind of like a, um, it's not a, maybe like a, I think what kind of bomb it is, if you will, like a, it's like a chemical bomb. Chemical bomb like, yeah. yeah. Like, a, I, I, that's what I got from it. I thought like, cause it was originally supposed to be developed as a cure for, some disease, right? I don't know if they, like yeah, that was its original purpose, but then it's been weapon weaponized. Mm -hmm. Um and so I I can't remember like where that weaponization kind of came from, who was actually responsible for that or if it was weaponized by uh Norman. Um but it was a its original impetus was as a cure. I do know that. So and I'm guessing a cure for Harry. It was one of the many attempts to try to find a cure for Harry, I think. Uh, I guess because then it, it carries over to Octavius getting a hold of it after everyone's breaking out and he releases unleashes it on the city, you know, causing Spider-Man to have to come up with a cure. But you know, and this is I guess the end that you know that eventually the he can only you know he can either save his aunt or he can save the city. And he has to make that decision basically. And his aunt basically does she give him she gives him like the blessing just like to save the city and let her die, but she wants to see him before she dies, right? Yeah. Um so and that that scene was really well delivered. The acting of, overall in this game is fantastic. The whole cast was awesome. The guy who played Octavius, I, it made me care about almost every character that you're supposed to care about, right? I mean, I don't care about Norman Osborn because he's an asshole, but that's what he's <laughs> supposed to be, right? He's an <laughs> asshole. So, and it, yeah, I, I have to say the I don't know if, if we're going to discuss the the ending now or later, but let's um, just, yeah, let's do it now. I guess the, the ending for me was one of the strongest, like final moments of a game that i played in a very long time it was extremely satisfying uh but like it, at the end you know obviously you know you're you're fighting doc ock on the roof and he tells you that he knows that you you were peter parker um and then you defeat him and you you know you have to leave this guy that you've been looking up to that you've worked alongside you have to leave him like broken 
and you know that he's going to be basically disassembled and left to wilt. And like that, that was a massive gut punch to me for some reason that that really hit home with me. And then the immediately fade to the next scene, which is, you know, Aunt May has like rapid, rapidly deteriorized because of the devil's breath. And like literally a thought ran through my head. It was like, well, since we just had this super heavy moment with Doc Ock, they're definitely not going to do this one, two punch and take Aunt May from me. <laughs> and then they do that. Yeah. And like, I actually cried at the end of this game. I was actually moved to tears because it, and that's the first game that I think I've ever done that. And I think it was just, you know, an amazing like you said, uh, amazing acting, great writing, and just a just big one to emotional punch um, that, you know, you realize that's a chapter that is closed in Peter Parker's life. And now he has no family anymore. And um, it just carried a lot of weight for me. Um, yeah, I thought it was just spectacular the way they wrapped that up. Yeah, from a from a gameplay and pacing perspective, that last fight, um, I thought was so, so well done. Um, so it's, a, it's obvious Insomniac knows that to let you, to allow you to lose a final battle means that you're going to have to sort of, that you're, you're, you're resting a bit as a player, you're kind of resting a little bit and then you're trying to get re-involved. But because that battle is so intertwined with story, they know that we can't let you lose this final battle. So like the battle on the, on the building I'm pretty sure it's impossible to lose that. I mean, you can get hit as many times as you want and you're not going to die. It's just, that's, that's how the thing works. You just still have to dodge his hits and everything, but I don't think you can lose that fight. And that's really intentional and really important to maintain all of that, uh, all of that built up um, emotional like investment that you were talking about, Jake, like you have to be able to maintain that. Otherwise, if there's any sort of break, it could, it could break everything down. And so I thought that was a really smart move on there. And a lot of people would probably hate it because you can't, Really lose and there's no challenge to it um but i think it's it so point. important from a story perspective exactly yeah. yeah yeah i think it also um really sets you up for what they're willing to do when it comes to story writing so that spider-man 2 there's no no like there's just no telling what it's going to be and how far they'll go what they'll take away from us there right like because they've taken all they've they just shown that they'll do whatever they want <laughs> like exactly like, like killing off Aunt May, like the next person that you kill off is Spider-Man, right? Like there's nobody else as important. <laughs> Mary Jane. Mary Jane. That's exactly. The thing. Especially if the next one's going to be Green Goblin, Hobgoblin, two-player, Morales, and Gwen Stacy or something. You can do that too. Yeah, but, bring her in, but yeah. It seems kind of weird to introduce Gwen Stacy after Mary Jane. That's how I always feel. <laughs> Fair enough. It's true. Um, yeah, though, it's, I don't know, it's they've earned their trust in my opinion they can almost change anything they want now after this because like i said normally i'm completely against change but once it's done <laughs> so well it's i'm like well, i'm like let's see what you do now because you can change almost anything here now so it's a faster horse situation right yeah well and keep in mind too this is going to be a lot of people's very first introduction to spider-man so this is going to set up what you know 30 years from now they don't want to be changed so this is going to be the bedrock it's a good bedrock for them to have for sure um so you know there's they're they're planning for future generations for sure a lot of people who've never been introduced to the comics i wasn't really super familiar with the comics so this is now spider-man to me which is cool yeah i i think it's and this is kind of going i guess full circle i guess but coming back to the beginning but um 
one thing that I thought was pretty interesting, I saw in an interview with Ted Price, who's like the head of Insomniac, like they were approached by Marvel and said, we want you to make a Marvel game, um, you know, in, in a matter of speaking. And they didn't say, we want you to make a Spider-Man game. They said, we want you to make a Marvel game. And they were like, well, we like to make funny games. We like games with humor in them, so let's do Spider-Man. <laughs> like that was kind of how they chose to make this game. Um, and I thought that was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and I love too that he... Uh, Ted, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of interviews with Ted Price. Like, it's all it seems like a great company, a great studio that I would I would love to work for if if I had any sort of skills that would qualify me to do so. <laughs> but he, I remember him saying something like, you know, uh, Marvel came to him and was like, "We want you to make a Marvel game," and he didn't say yes on the spot. He didn't do anything. He was like, "Let me go talk to my team and see if there's any yeah. interest there." And I thought that was never huge. done. They've yeah. never done that, and it's so telling to say that like I've got to get buy-in from these people from from my team. Like, I can't just dictate that we're doing this. I want them to feel invested and see if they're invested. And sure enough, and they're that, all that like, takes, yeah, of course we want to do it. <laughs> it takes guts to just have Marvel put an offer on the table and you go, let me think about it. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. That's yeah. really crazy. So that's awesome. Also, I like that they, they said that they they like making funny games and instead they write like one of the most like dramatic endings. Of the game ever, right? yeah. Like, sure, it's funny throughout and it's got a lot of really fun humor, but when it comes down to it, it is just yeah. a really well-written, dramatic, you know, emotional story. Agreed. You know, uh, one thing about this game, and I don't know if people consider this a knock, I don't, um, but I, I see a lot of references to other games. So I guess, so if you want to say this game is one, I guess, knock against it is it's not a completely, they didn't change the wheel. If You know, they, they took a lot of, I think, good from other games and it's put in this game. So a lot of it just, it just works well. And the two games that I it stands out the most to me, and there's probably more, are is the Arkham games, but like the combat especially, where it is the the only two difference the only difference I really see from that game, or the two if you can say, is one there's you swing as opposed to gliding, and two um, triangle is dodge in the Arkham games, while circle is dodge in this game. <laughs> Other than that, it's like pretty much the same combat, right. where it's you know you know there's guys those shields you got to kind of like get behind them and you know punch them up. Stuff like that. And I guess the other game I, I kind of saw for this as a reference, and maybe it's just from the towers, is the Assassin's Creed games. When you go to a tower, you get to the top, and then that opens up the map. And then just that circle pan of kind of the area you just unlock. <laughs> they reminded me a lot of the um, Assassin's Creed games from what I've played. I haven't played them all, but the ones that I have played, that's always kind of like a scene that sticks in my head. So I don't know if anyone else catch any references to any other games or. Yeah, I think I think it was is, you know, kind of remixing a lot of those elements, right? You know, and I think that a game that's going to be in a conversation with Spider-Man a lot for very different reasons is God of War. But what God of War did is it took a lot of elements from other games like The Witcher or Dark Souls and remixed them to make something that was, you know, unique enough to be its own thing, but also just, you know, kind of like you said, why reinvent the wheel? And I think that's what Spider-Man did. Is it just it took things that work from other games and they kind of put their own spin on it pun completely intended there. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I think it did, you know, like the whole tower unlocking thing, that's definitely an Ubisoft move, whether it's far cry or assassin's creed, you know, unlocking towers to get the lay of the land is, you know, it's a staple, but it made a lot of sense contextually in this game. And I think they did a good job of taking those, you know, relying on those, you know, why, fix it if it ain't broke situations and, and contextualizing it within their story. 
It totally helps players uh, jump into a new game when there's things that are familiar to them from other games that they've played, right? Like if, like like Jake was saying, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But at the same time, it's like if they're going to add anything to the game that requires players to learn it, you might as well take a look at some of the other things that aren't as important in the game and use previous games, versions of that thing, so that players don't have to learn some sort of uh, input combination to uh, unlock the map when it's like, hey, what if I climb this building like in the other game? Oh, look, that did the same thing. So it, it's ease of play, I think, which mm-hmm. Spider-Man is all about. Cool. Um, so I guess there's a couple more little details I want to go before I ask you guys a couple more questions for, I guess, the future of this game here. But uh, um, I don't know if anyone noticed, but when you knock... Uh, guys off the roof that the webbing catches the guys and slaps them to a wall or something. Because I remember yeah. the first time I did it, I'm like, well, that's not very Spider-Man-like. Spider-Man wouldn't <laughs> kill somebody off a roof and kill them. Uh, and then I remember, I think I, I did it once, and I, I saw the guy just fly into like another building, and you see the webbing just, you know, into the wall. I'm like, well, that was uh, that's cool. That's that that makes sense because Spider-Man wouldn't kill anybody. That's right. that's, that's who he is. Needless, um, not considering the fact that every fight he's in that doesn't involve that, he's still killing the hell out of these guys. Like mm-hmm. there was a recent episode of, um, I think it was the Shoddy Cast uh, with uh, Austin. I think is his name. I can't remember his last name. It was either that or Game Theory with Matt Pat. But they did one about. Uh, the physics of Spider-Man's fighting and like how, you know, the, it, it's, it's a great show. If it's, if it's the shoddy cast, it's a, I think is what it was. It's a great show where he takes scientific ideas and like applies them to in-game physics and says, you know, if, if it's, if we're operating on the assumption that Spider-Man doesn't kill people, let's look at his combat. And he was like, yeah, he's killing everybody. He fights like, you know, <laughs> he's showing you like one of the things he really hy- uh, hyper focuses on is the whole uppercut thing where you can uppercut a guy into the sky and to the, uh, you know, a few feet in the air. And he's like, yeah, Spider-Man's punching like basically at the force of like a bomb. Uh, you, you know, a broken neck is the least of your worries. Your entire body is being shattered in this. Like he is not surviving this at all. Um, and I just I love that. that like, <laughs> but, we'll, but we'll let him, you know, smack into the walls. Now, although if you kick him far <laughs> enough, like when there's no buildings nearby, they still will eventually go all the way down to the ground. Like they don't always hit up against the wall, which is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. I also webbed a lot of guys to flaming barrels and flaming cars <laughs> yeah. and like the face right on the flame. Web. <laughs> I Early saw, I saw someone. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Harry. No, I was just gonna say, I, sometimes I would, I would web people to barrels and then pick up the barrels and swing them around and throw them into the ocean. Oh yeah. <laughs> so fun. Um, there was a, a video online I saw of someone. So, you know, the missions where you have to save people by lifting up a car off of them and the car kind of rolls over. Yeah. Mm. There was a there was a mission where someone before they did that, they took like three or four guys and webbed them to the other side of the car so that when he lifted <laughs> it up, the car just rolled over on top of them. <laughs> and there was no game like signal to be like, these guys are dead now. But you're like, yeah, that's funny. They're dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, one other thing I kind of noticed, too, and I saw this in the post credits that I looked at the writing staff and I I noticed one writer because and this just because I've kind of gotten back into reading Amazing Spider-Man recently um, is that Dan Slott was part of the writing team for this game. I don't know how much he was part of it, but he just finished like a 10 year run on Amazing Spider-Man. That's where the humor for sure comes from. It's yeah. Dan Slott. Yeah. He does like comedic, a lot of comedic comics. So that was <laughs> girl. I thought that was really cool. I thought that was like that they actually had probably, you know, like let's get some, you know, I, I imagine 
just hearing those guys on that podcast earlier that they are fans, but they probably are like, let's make sure that this can happen or something like, let's get, you know, some real professionals, if you will. Cause I, I imagine there's another writer on the team that I just might've missed. Uh, it's just credits. It just kind of stood out to me because like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of gotten back into comics after years and years and years of not reading comic books and kind of getting back into it right now, noticing stuff like that. I thought it was kind of cool. I'm sure Marvel insisted on having someone there. I mean, as much as, as much as we would like to think that Marvel was like, yeah, do anything you want. We trust you. Um, it's a pretty important franchise, a pretty important IP for them to control. So I'm guessing there was something in the contract to say, like, you need to have a member of our writing staff or you need to have someone there who knows stuff. And 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 I'm sure Insomniac was all for it. Like, of course, we, yes, we do want someone there. Um, yes. But I would imagine that that there was definitely if Marvel was, you know, I, I the the creators, uh, Brian Itzahar has, has definitely said that, like, Marvel was very much willing to, like, here, let them do anything they want. Um, but that's only got to go so far, you know. Sure. You can't fight Superman, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, a lot of credit, though, to Marvel for giving that kind of free reign on the story. Like, not saying, no, you can't go this far with certain characters. They were just like, whatever works. <laughs> whatever works and as far as you're willing to take it, go for it. Because I think there are a lot of companies who wouldn't allow that. Like, there are probably a lot are like no you we have to maintain a certain level of uh, fidelity to what we've created so, you know, uh, you know and I one more final detail that i kind of little detail that i saw that, that i actually i don't know if this is a little but i i really like this a lot that this was kind of the marvel version of new york and i've i've been to new york a couple a few times so i i've kind of i kind of have manhattan down basically where everything is so I, I like knowing that right by um, the hotel I stayed at, right? You know, I'm, I'm swinging through New York. I'm like, okay, well, here's Madison Square Garden. I stayed at that hotel, you know, and like, I'm like, that's cool. And then you swing down this way and then swing up that way. And right across the street from Radio City Music Hall is uh, Danny Rand, uh, Iron Fist, his company's there. And then if you keep swinging uh, this way, and then you'll run into uh, Dr. Strange's place, you know, or yeah. and then here is... Uh, um, uh, Matt Murdoch's, you know, lawyer, you know, his firm is right here. And over here is the bar with no name. As you're swinging through New York, and you're, you're getting all the landmarks. I'm like, yeah. So if I was going to go to St. Patrick's Cathedral, and I remember that because that's where my buddy Tony got, um, there was security guard there at this, uh, at St. Patrick's Cathedral. And there, uh, they, they said the F-bomb at Adam inside the church because he was wearing a hat inside the church. So they said, take the fucking hat off, asshole. You know, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And I was just like, as I'm swinging past, you know, uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral, I'm like, hey, that's where my buddy Tony got yelled at. You know, so just, so just <laughs> little, little stuff like that. I'm like, oh, this, you know, I just found that, you know, awesome. Just seeing kind of like how Marvel, or, or at least Insomniac, envisions uh, the Marvel universe inside New York. This is where Avengers Tower is in New York, you know, so little yeah. things like that I really liked. They also really draw attention to it with those landmark photo quests, yeah. right? Because they're all like, you also take a picture of Avengers Tower, but also take a picture of Brooklyn Bridge or Radio City Music Hall. Like, actual things mixed in with Marvel yeah. Universe things too. It makes you go and see them. Yeah. I, li I really liked those photo quests, right? I loved finding those landmarks. It was You felt like a tourist. <laughs> that's great and it brings you know a little homage to peter being a photographer too right yeah like with the camera his camera phone this time as opposed to a camera which makes more sense right you don't have to worry about carrying a camera around in your spider-man gear <laughs> so um 
So I guess I just have a final questions before we wrap it up here. So everyone, I guess, remembers Puddlegate, right? At the beginning, before this mm-hmm. game launched, that mm-hmm. changed the puddles. Did that bother anyone here? <laughs> I was offended the whole way. I was out of it. I knew it. You made couldn't it believe it. <laughs> I actually just poured puddles in my living room when I played this, so it'd be like the EP trailer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's that. Um, was this game too short for your liking? And um, I'm only asking this because I've heard actually one or two people tell me that they thought it was too short and they've beat it in a couple days. And my, I guess my, my response to them was that you do the side missions, you know, like one of them said, no, they just did the story. So that's why they beat it in like two or three days. And they thought they told me that that's their big gripe against the game was they felt it was too short. And I'm like, mm, I don't know what you, I, I put a, a good amount of hours in this game. By uh by myself playing doing a lot of the side missions and just enjoying the game, but I don't know if anyone else felt that same way. I did not. I thought it was perfect, but yeah. I think I think twenty five to thirty hours is is a nice comfortable place um, for a game like this, and um, because it, it it's built to be, you know, a game like this isn't built to just mainline the story. It's meant to explore the world and do the side missions and get the Easter eggs and unlock the skills and get the suits and all that. So. You know, if if you think the game is too short and you beat it in a couple of days, either a you played the game for twelve hours a day, which I think some people <laughs> did, uh, or you know you just weren't involved in the the side quest stuff. Um, because I I thought it was fine. I thought it was a perfect length, and I and also I don't care how long a game is if I like if I like it, right? I I true, you know, or if the story's good. Like I I just enjoyed every amount of time that I played the game. And if we beeline the story and didn't do the side stuff, I'd be just as happy because that story is really good. Right. I don't think the story would have gotten better with another two or three hours. Like why, why so many games are only long because of busy work. They just throw a lot of busy work at you Mm -hmm. and you go, Oh wow. 60 hours of great gameplay. That was amazing. You know, (laughs) the game only needs to be as long as it needs to be. And people shouldn't be trying to make it longer for any reason. I mean, we chose to do all the busy work in Spider-Man. Like, that's how good the game is, right? Exactly. We chose to do all that other stuff. And you you don't have to. And I think you'll get just as good of an experience. If you if you beeline the story, you won't find all these awesome little things that they put in there for you to reward you for doing that. But you'll still experience one of the best storytelling in games ever, right? So... Tell your friends to shut up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I guess final question here is what do you guys want to see in a sequel? Because let's be honest, this is uh, like the highest selling PlayStation game of PlayStation four game right now. I don't think there's, I think, right. That's it is. I know it's the second highest selling game of the year or it is the, the, highest highest is the fastest game. selling game on PlayStation of all time. Okay. So it's the fastest selling. Fastest. So it's not the highest. Okay. But um, I think but, it's the highest selling PS4 exclusive, but the fastest selling PlayStation game. Okay. So and I think it just surpassed the Far Cry five too for selling totals for the year, which you know multiple and that and that's a console exclusive as opposed to being on all platforms, right? Yeah. So that's kind of an achievement. Uh so I guess what so it's gonna it's gonna get a sequel regardless. I'm pretty sure Marvel's gonna say all right, here you go. You know, let's here's the keys to the car again. Let's let's see what you do again here. Uh, so, what do you want to see in a sequel uh, for this game going forward? <laughs> I'll go first. I'll go first. Um, <laughs> the one thing I can think of that comes to mind, and 
maybe it's just this little middle minor gripes is I kind of want to see a little different variations of some of the side missions. I kind of felt some of them were repetitive and I'm not knocking it too much, but um, I didn't mind doing Wilson Fisk's construction, you know, taking down the, the guys there, but I didn't want to have to go then and do it for the, the raft prisoners later. I'd rather see when you do something like that, that ends that side mission ends. Those are done. Um, I want to see different, different varieties of side missions a little bit more um that that's one of the ones and i i guess i'm kind of looking forward into i mean for sure i definitely want to see the black symbiote symbiote suit for spider-man that's my favorite suit for spider-man to be honest with you i know it's not as classic probably as the red and blue but it is still classic it's the one i play when i play tony hawk pro skater 2 i unlock spider-man i put on the venom suit for him because i i just like it i think it's a cool looking suit so those are two little things i kind of want to see in the game and uh, just other than that just keep it the same because i thought this game was fantastic i want to see mysterio there you go mysterio is my favorite villain <laughs> so <laughs> i just want to see him in stuff i'm excited that he's going to be in the new movie but um i'd like to fight him in a game sure. he was at the uh, halloween party in the game he was That's right oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um no what else or craven no one ever puts craven in stuff do you sure. like a yeah i kind of <laughs> wanted to see more um of the the superheroes that live in new york involved in the game so like i would have loved to see a mission where um matt murdoch uh one of the people he's defending has uh gone awol and you have to find them um maybe oh, yeah. a, a punisher mission where the whole time you're trying to stop the punisher from killing people but then at the same time incapacitate them um you know just like little things where you involve other characters um maybe something happened to luke cage's bar and you got to do something for him. that would definitely be cool yeah that would be cool i just want to see whatever they want to give me to, to <laughs> ryan's point i trust what they're doing I don't have any emotional investments in the story, so I think I'm more lenient. Um, but I just want to see whatever they want to give me, honestly. <laughs> you got to keep the jokes, though. Keep the jokes. Keep the writing. Keep the same actors. Keep everything. A big wedding scene where they, where he gets married, and we have to get ready for. You have to go rent a tux and <laughs> do the flower arrangements. That sounds <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, put something in there that's like just completely outside of it outside of what he does you know fighting crime i think for me it's like i i'm i lean more toward the way caleb feels about it which is you know i i didn't ask for this game and i was really happy to get what i got and i trust that they'll do you know they know the expectation is there now like before it was kind of like yeah it's a big deal to have a spider-man game but you know it kind of came out of nowhere in a way it wasn't like something that i think you know was being clamored for obviously fans wanted a new spider-man game but i don't think it was like you know a big anticipated thing in the video game specific community uh but now that this game has come out it's been successful well-reviewed people really like it there is some expectation now and i hope my biggest hope is they just don't let that get to them i hope they just kind of you know block all that out and just make what they want to make because that's what they did the first time and it worked and i think that that will work going forward i mean i, I would like to see yeah, I definitely think they're going to set up. They've set up something with Miles, right? So we're going to get something Miles related. Um, they're definitely going to um, advance the whole uh, Mary Jane storyline. So, like, I hope that those things 
work out well, but I have no reason to think that they won't. I don't really want multiplayer, but I can see them doing something like that. But who knows how that would end up, but not something I'm clamoring for. I hope they don't. I hope it just in general, Insomniac doesn't become only a Spider-Man studio or a Marvel studio, um, because I still want more other projects that Insomniac has worked on, like Ratchet and Clank games and stuff like that. So maybe that's one of the things I hope this game doesn't create. Right. I wonder, too, I mean, Spider-Man ends pretty tragic for Peter, right? Like he he doesn't have any more like mentors or father figures or or like aunt may's gone now so is there someone who can fill that role or is that now part of his journey where he is now he's he's an adult now and like he has to be this person he has to he has to have a different kind of strength now well you could be returning the favor to miles now because right because miles is probably entering doing the thing for miles right instead of being the person looking up to he's the person you know miles is looking up to now so i think i think that was honestly part of the the decision making and the storytelling was to you know set him later in his life i think basically force him into being less reliant on other people and and sort of uh be greater if you will he's 23 like he's, he's 23. so young it's too young to be put he's into lived that a like lot for 23 time to grow up <laughs> <laughs> oh it's just too sad Cut the cord, Catherine. Come on. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, that's the show, everyone. Uh, I want to thank everyone for being here. So, Jake, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me over on the Polykill podcast on Twitter at the McAxel. Uh, we put out a show every other Monday. Caleb, where can we find you? Pretty much on all of the internets at Caleb J. Ross. I'm most active probably on YouTube and Twitter. Miles and Catherine, where can we find you? Um, we have a podcast, a monthly podcast called Flock Talk. Um, you just search Flock Talk. And, SoundCloud and iTunes. Yeah. And on Twitter, I am at K underscore song. And Miles and, is. Yeah, I'm at uh, Flock and Nerds at Flock and Nerds. Yeah. Cool. That's us. And then I'm on Twitter. It's Rocket Sauce. And um, yeah, that's that's the show, everyone. So once again, thank you for everyone for being here. Insomniac, you made a fantastic game. Thanks and, for listening. Yeah, Since thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll, we'll forward it, Adam. Make sure they hear this, you know? Absolutely. Uh, and then with that being said, I'm going to say CC Unite.